Hi there, my name is Josh and welcome to my podcast. I believe that anything worth doing is worth doing God's way. And at this podcast, we're going to learn how simply and practically we can apply God's ways to our everyday life. A couple of years ago, an experiment by the University of Pennsylvania tested whether most people are like sheep. It's a very interesting social experiment that um, I came across on YouTube and you can probably go and check it out for yourself. But the main purpose was to check if somebody does something for absolutely no reason, will everybody else follow through? So this is the social experiment. A lady walks in for an optician's appointment. She checks in with the receptionist, her appointment is set, and so she's waiting for her turn. She's in the waiting room and the waiting room is filled. But what she doesn't know is that that waiting room is filled with actors and that she is a part of a social experiment. Now this social experiment is to test whether human beings are like sheep. In other words, to test whether human beings will follow rules and regulations for absolutely no reason at all, or just to follow it because other people are doing it. So, this is what happens. While she's seated there, reading her magazine, waiting for a time to see the optician, a beep that sounds something like this occurs. And every time the people hear this beep, everybody would stand up and then sit down. They'd hear the beep again, the people would stand up for about a second and then sit down. So this lady, who was not an actor, who was the experiment itself, <laughs> was looking around and wondering what's happening. She didn't ask anybody, she just saw everybody was doing it. So after one, two, three beeps, she stood up as well. For no reason at all. And so. Here's the interesting thing, and this was the experiment at the end of the day. When all these people would go, would this lady still stand when she would hear the beep? In spite of the fact that nobody else was looking at her or expecting her to do it, well, that was the experiment. So one by one, everybody else had to get in for the appointment, their so-called appointment. One by one, the room began to empty and nobody new entered into the room. Just one by one, they went and went and went until it was left with just her. And this was the test. Would she stand when she had the beep in spite of the fact that nobody else was looking at her and nobody else was expecting her to do so? And guess what? She stood up. When the beep came on again, she stood up all by herself. Not once, not twice, not three times, but multiple times while she was seated there by herself. Every time the beep came on, she stood up. And the funny thing was this, a new person walked in, somebody who's not a part of the social experiment, walked in to the, to the optician's office, sorted out the appointment and sat down. Now, the experiment was to check, would she still do it when this new person came in? Would she be too embarrassed to do it? Guess what? She still did it anyway. She stood up when she had the beep. And this guy now questioned and said, why... <laughs> Why are you doing this? Why are you standing up when you hear this, that sound? And the answer was like, honestly, I don't know. I just saw everybody doing it. And so I thought that I have to do it. And he's like, oh, okay. He found it funny and intriguing, but he joined in. 
So the two of them, every time they had the beep, they would stand up and sit down. And then another person walked in. A new person, again, not somebody who was an actor or a part of this social experiment, walked in and saw the two of them standing up and sitting down every time they had the beep. And what happened? Eventually, she caught on. She stood up and sat down. As new people kept on walking into that particular office, all of them were conditioned to doing what the rest of the crowd did. This lady still had no reason and no purpose as to why she did what she did, but she did it anyway. <laughs> you may laugh at this particular experiment, but you may be surprised at how many things you do for no reason, but for the sense of belonging. You see, when God formed us, he formed us as relational beings. We are conditioned or we are structured in such a way that we desire to belong to a particular community because you're born into a family. When you're born into a family, we're going to a school. When you're going to a school, you're going to university and going to a workplace. And then we get married and start our own family. Rarely are we ever solitary beings. In fact, the worst punishment that a human being can be given, especially in a prison, is to be put in solitary confinement. Why? God's nature in us desires for us to be in fellowship and to desires for us to commune together. But what happens when this communion leads us to do things that are not beneficial to us and particularly not beneficial to our spiritual life? What happens when you hear a beep and we stand up and the only reason why we are standing up is simply because everybody else is doing it? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? I remember many years ago when I was in Sunday school, I used to roll around with this clique. We were about um, six guys and I was like 11 at the time, but we were in some, some kind of clique at the time. And eventually we, we, we went up to the teens church when we turned up 13. When we went up to the teens church, we were still in the clique. We're still the six of us. None of us have gone to high school just yet. And I remember one time a pastor spoke out in the middle of the sermon and said, the people that you're seated next to in the next 10 years will not be the same people that you're seated next to. I can never forget that statement because I turned to the guy who's sitting next to me and said, hey, what's this guy saying? The guy, we're boys for life. There's, there's nobody who's tearing this union apart. There's no one who's tearing us apart. And so we were really, in my heart, I was adamant. I knew for a fact that we are going to be sticking. We're going to be boys for life. <laughs> Wapi. It didn't even take long. High school, just the wind of high school alone, of boarding school alone, broke that friendship, Kabisa. I was the one in day school. Out of all these guys, I think I was the only person, I was one of two people out of the six of us who didn't go to boarding school. So in that time, what happens? I still desire, of course, to be in a communion. I still, I'm not a solitary creature. I make new friends. What happens? You get a girlfriend. All these things start to change all around you and the friendships that you once had start to be broken up. But I thank God for the breaking of that particular relationship. Of that, let's say, I thank God for the advancement of, of my circle at the time because had I stuck to the clique, I'm not sure I'd be where I am today. Because friends are sometimes for a season. Friends are sometimes for a reason, and, and there are those who are friends for a lifetime. But the reality is this, not every friend will be there for a lifetime. A lot of them are friends in seasons. 
And when we try to force ourselves or force our friendships into another season, it becomes bitter. It becomes, it doesn't become as enjoyable as it once was. Because minds change, lives change, people grow up and things happen. But what happens when you decide to still stick, especially to a crew that you're not supposed to stick with? What happens when you stick with a crew that you're not supposed to stick with? What happens when they're standing up to a beep that you shouldn't stand up to? That's what's happening in our lives today. Because constantly when you look at the scriptures, the Bible warns us concerning our association, concerning the friends that we do keep. It sounds like a cliche, but it, 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 it is a very incredibly important topic to discuss in the church today. That in our walk of salvation, it's important for us to understand that there are rules and regulations that were set up for us, to us, for us to be effective as Christians. Those rules were for us to be effective as Christians. And one of the rules was set up for our associations. And one of the rules was set up for our associations. It strongly admonishes us to keep good company. Because often the company that you associate with will often set the moral bar for us. And today I want to focus on one particular type of friendship. And that's friendship in the church. Because we all know that we've been told, okay, you don't... You don't associate, not necessarily associate yourself, but we all know that you're not supposed to yoke ourselves with the unbelievers, meaning you're not supposed to get into close, intimate relationships with the unbelievers. Not too close, okay? Because that will draw us away. Whether we like it or not, we'll be drawn away. But what happens when you have close associations with people within the Christian community that are not working in a Christian manner? What happens when the person who should know or the person who does know the truth chooses not to walk in the truth? What are we supposed to do with such friendships? Well, the Bible gives us a very, very clear picture of what we ought to do. If you look at the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 to 13, Paul was speaking to the church and he said this, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or the extortioners, or the idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now, I have written to you not to keep company with anybody named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. What have I to do with judging those who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. What is Paul trying to say here? I told you before not to keep company with those who are not walking aright. But I didn't mean that you don't keep company with those of the world. That's not what I meant. I didn't mean that you should not put away everybody because it would be impossible for you to live on this earth without being associated in one way or another with those who are not walking in a moral way because it's, the world is filled with those who are fallen. But for the people who are in Christ, who Paul was referring to as a brother, Paul was saying that those who know the truth, they know the truth about their sexuality, they know the truth about working uprightly in business and in money, yet don't do it. 
and instead live a life like Christ does not exist, those people are dangerous people. Those are not people who you should even eat with. That's what Paul was saying here. And it's so important for us to understand this because we live in a time where everybody's saying, don't judge me. Everybody's saying, please don't judge me. Okay? And those that are in the church are saying the same thing. They're saying, eh, mungotani forgive, mungotosau. All right? And they're walking in a way that does not reflect Christ in any way. Paul warns us about such people. I can never forget, before I got married, I remember I purposed in my heart to keep myself for marriage. I purposed to keep myself sexually pure for marriage. And it was a challenge, of course. But one particular time this was challenged was I was seated with a couple of, let me not say friends, there were, there were two guys who were clients. Okay, They were clients of mine and we were doing a job together. And these guys are in the church. I knew that for a fact. Not in my church, but they are in, they are in the church. They are Christians. They go to church continuously, and we struck up a conversation regarding relationships. And this guy asked me, "So, you and your girl, have you, you know, have you, have you gone into it? Have you been intimate?" And I was like, "I have, See, you know, for me, I was like, See, it's obviously written. You're not supposed to, <laughs> to do these things." And he's like, "I, like, Ojai, Uma, like for real, like na na yesaki and it is a very interesting question but for me i was really i was really taken aback simply because i was like i, I thought like you know like reading the bible you're reading the same bible and and you see as you listen to this you maybe think why are you judging them the thing is this these are people who are in salvation these are people who know the word and these are people who know the truth what is love if i do not question their stance if I don't show love by telling them that what you're doing and what you're saying is actually not right because this is what the scripture says, am I truly doing the right thing? Am I truly walking in love? But the Bible clearly tells me as well that these kinds of people are not the people I'm supposed to be associated with. If these guys are outside the world and they're saying that, that's fine because they don't know the scriptures just yet. And you're supposed to walk in love and draw them into Christ so that they can know these things. But when they know the truth and choose to not walk in the truth, and I choose to associate myself with them, the reality is this, and the danger is this, I will set my moral compass on their walk and not what the Bible says. Because these guys who are talking about guys who are older than I am, these are people who've walked probably in salvation for a while, probably longer than I have. And if I told myself that I want to now associate myself with this company, what would happen? I would set my moral compass based off of their experience and based off of their opinion instead of what the scripture says. And I know this can be very hard and this can be challenging to do. But the reality is this. We have to be jealous concerning our own spiritual lives. As we grow older, naturally, our circle becomes tighter. Naturally, our circle becomes smaller and smaller. And so we need to ask ourselves, who are the people who are in this circle? And aside from that, who are the people that we associate ourselves with within the Christian community? If you go onto your timeline on your Instagram page, you've gone on Facebook and you've gone on your WhatsApp, what are the conversations you're having with the people in the Christian community? Who are the influencers you're following who are Christians? And what are they showing concerning Christ? 
are those influencers influencing you to draw closer to Christ? Or they setting a bar that is so low that you feel like, ah, if these guys can do it, then what's wrong with me doing it? That's a very, very dangerous way to live. Because as you know, when we stand before the Father and give an account for our lives, there'll be no influencer there to defend us. There'll be no group there to defend us. Even my wife wouldn't be there beside me when I'm judged. It's me, myself and I, before my Father. And that's really important for us to understand. We need to understand that we have to be jealous about our own spiritual lives. Jealous enough to break friendships that are no longer beneficial to us. Jealous enough to break relationships that are no longer beneficial to us. Jealous enough to unfollow those who are associated with things that are not pleasing to the Father. It's really, really important to do this. And I tell you the truth, as we disassociate ourselves with those who are not walking aright, we then start to be drawn to those who will draw us closer to the Father. I tweeted this the other day. Praise is a good thing. When people praise you, you're doing a good job, that's a good thing. But when you have friends, at least one friend, who will tell you that, boss, you're acting stupid here. Can you nafanya? You're no that's a truly special friend. Count yourself blessed if you have at least one friend who can hold you accountable when you start straying away. But if you are filled with applauses, continuously being applauded for even doing those things that are wrong, remember this, especially for those of you who are very popular, let's say, on social media. You don't even have to be popular on social media. You just have to be clapped for by one or two people. If those people continuously clap for you, the reality is this. They're not just clapping for you because you're doing the right thing. They're clapping for you because you're entertaining them. And when you fall, they'll keep clapping. So who's in your circle? That's it for this week's episode. I hope you've been blessed by it. I'd love to hear from you. Remember, the hotline number is in the description. Drop me a text and we can talk from there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode all the way to the very end. I'm very grateful for your time. If this touched you in any way, please feel free to share it with a friend. And if you'd like to take it a step further and contribute to this channel, you can look at the description that is in the bio to see different ways on how you can do so. See you next week. God bless.